Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. Richie V, El Conservador, Mr. Call Screener. Your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and I am right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden, New York City, and we're talking about the insurrection. That's what they like to call it. It was a riot at the Capitol. They've overblown it. And Feliz Dia de los Reyes Mago. Happy Three Kings Day. That's a celebration from Puerto Rico and other Hispanic countries where we celebrate Three Kings Day, so... It's the 12th day of Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. And they're just melting down. The snowflakes on the left are melting down. And normally I wouldn't take this approach, but I have to. You got to hear this audio that I just heard, uh, courtesy of newsbusters.org, MRC-TV, where uh, Jonathan Capehart from MSNBC, he literally just breaks down. He's saying, you know, he starts crying. Uh, their headline, he gets verklempt. <laughs> and he's, I'm, I'm trying to hold it together. And it starts off with a uh, congresswoman, Madeline Dean, it also, it's a panel discussion, Capitol Hill Police Officer Harry Dunn and Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser. And it's just, it's just a slob fest of leftist idiocy to keep it FCC clean. But I want you to hear this clip of audio because this is what they're doing, right? They're having wall-to-wall coverage, the media of what happened at January 6th. And straight ahead, I'm going to have somebody that was part of the January 6th Uh, events when they happened, as well as somebody that was recently subpoenaed to appear before the January 6th committee. And that's Cash Patel from President Trump's team. So stay tuned for that coming up right after this. But I want you to hear this quick clip of audio because Jonathan Capehart from MSNBC is trying to hold it together. Uh, I am fearful that if we don't get to the bottom of it, if we don't get to the truth, sadly, I am worried for my children and my grandchildren. Um, I'm trying to hold it together right now <laughs> because this conversation. I think, that's all, that's all, I think that's all of us, all of us, all of America is trying to hold it together now. So, I mean, Officer Dunn, your answer to my question just broke me. Be- now he's saying that he's broken, that this has broken him. In Spanish, the word we would say que está partido, right? He's snapped. He's been broken. I think I agree with him. Because um, it just speaks to the professionalism that you can still put on that uniform and protect people who take your life for granted. Um, I cannot thank you enough for your service. Thank you. Mayor Bowser, um, we've known each other a long time. And your leadership during that time and continued is Remarkable and spectacular. And Congresswoman Dean. Spectacular. 
This is Miriam Bowser, Muriel Bowser, whatever her name is, Mayor Bowser. She's the one that turned down the troops and then was begging Trump for them. And Cash Patel is going to tell us that when he joins us in a little bit. But that's exactly what went down. They are making a mockery of you and me, of every American, of the United States Capitol building, of the United States Constitution. This is an outrage. And he's outraged, but for all the wrong reasons. Um, You have been a voice of clarity through all of this. Um, I hope that um, the fear that you express and that I share um, ends up being um, unwarranted. I think this entire panel discussion on MSNBC was unwarranted. I think this entire farce of an investigation of a select committee chosen by Speaker Pelosi for the express purpose of stopping Trump as admitted by Lynn Cheney, the whole thing is unwarranted. Anyway, more to come straight ahead. Don't move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez. Straight ahead, Cash Patel. This is America. This is America. In times like these, it's so important that we focus on the facts. I always tell you to focus on the facts. I think you hear that everywhere you go, and that's because facts are irrefutable. It's the bottom line. It's the real deal. And in times like this of uncertainty, we need to rely on the facts. I get my facts from JustFacts.com. That's F-A-C-T-S, JustFacts.com. Go to JustFacts.com and sign up for their newsletter. JustFacts.com forward slash rich. Just put my name in there and you'll get it for free. JustFacts.com slash rich. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. The 45th president, Donald Trump, thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good, Mr. Call Screener. Yeah. It's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Now, as promised, we're going to jump right into a conversation with somebody who has intimate understanding of January 6th and because... This is somebody that served as a special assistant to the president and then moved on to being chief of staff at the um, Pentagon. He worked for Devin Nunes. He worked for the secretary of defense. His name is Cash Patel. Cash Patel, welcome to This Is America. Hey, thanks so much, Rich. Appreciate being on your show. My pleasure, brother. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, a lot of things, right? There's a lot of stuff out there. The first thing I want to ask you is because (laughs) everybody wants to know, are you a white supremacist? (laughs) Well, I'm going to break some news on your programming. Obviously, this 
uh, a son of an immigrant, Indian American brown guy is a white supremacist because he, you know, he worked for President Trump. So if you listen to CNN, that's the logic. Right. And like you, I'm also brown. That's why I like to break the ice that way, because it's it seems if, if you have any uh, ethnicity to you, right, a little bit of ethnic flavor, it's like, hey, you can't be a conservative. You can't be a Republican. You can't be anything. And, and I'm not necessarily married to Republicans, but I definitely am married to conservatism and the liberty movement. And and it seems most of the people I come across are very much the same way. So, Cash Patel, you're uh, you're from New York. And um, how do you end up in, in the swamp? Tell us a little bit about that story. Oh, man, man, I think the fastest way to tell it is uh, probably a thousand PBRs later, I woke up in the swamp. But um, I, uh, I started my career as a public defender in, in Miami and then got an opportunity to become a terrorism prosecutor in Washington, D.C. in the Obama administration. So about nine years ago, I moved to D.C. And so that's why I started up here. And then I went over to JSOC as a civilian in the military doing special forces targeting and then over uh, met Devin Nunes. And, you know, by chance, literally, he was like, I need you to run this thing called the Russiagate investigation because you have an intel background and a, you're a prosecutor and a public defender. I didn't really want to do it. And then I reluctantly said, sure. And, you know, years later, here we are talking about Russiagate and, and Durham. And I was fortunate then also to just go into the National Security Council and run counterterrorism for President Trump and then uh, run uh, the Department of Defense for him as the chief of staff. So it's been a pretty great run. Yeah, it's just a regular Tuesday, right? I mean, that's, a, that's a lot right there. You, you put out a lot. Because I think there's really a lot to it, right? I mean, first of all, I think Devin Nunes is terrific. And obviously, uh, you, by extension, from doing all that work, especially the stuff that he exposed with the infamous Nunes memo. Uh, but I think during that time, there was there's always so much uh, conspiracy theory related to January 6th. And there's so much propaganda that I think goes right along with it. And and you are, you know, firsthand, I think you know a lot about this stuff. I mean, I've heard from a, a, not a million different people, but plenty of different people that, oh, you know, Devin Nunes, he's he's that guy QAnon. And then others, no, 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 it's not him. It's that guy Cash Patel. <laughs> no, I'm <cute>. He's QAnon. <laughs> so you're not a white supremacist, but you are QAnon. Is that right? Yes, that's, let's, let's make that the tagline. I'm, I deny being a white supremacist. Um, though there might be a picture of me at a Klan rally pop up, and but I am cute. All right, perfect. <laughs> so you, you you were in New York, you moved around, you have a legal background, you end up in Washington. Now you're you're thrown into the deep end of the pool. Not only the RussiaGate investigation, which was enough for any one given career, but then on top of that, we get January sixth. So I want to get to RussiaGate in a little bit more because there's new connections with Danchenko and Hillary Clinton. So I want to do that in the second piece. But right now, as January sixth is upon us. I mean, you go to USA Today, and I'm just going to click on this real fast because I'm looking at it. And it says the claim Pelosi rejected Trump's request for 10,000 National Guard troops to be deployed before January 6th. And their rating is false. And it goes on and it gives all this proof and all these. And the proof that they give is rather weak, in my opinion. They check other fact checkers that are bogus fact checkers. But I don't want to seem flippant about discrediting them because I think your claims are legitimate. And I've heard some of the interviews that you've done where you said, no, this is what we did. And, and you have an intimate understanding uh, of it. So I want you to kind of really walk us through how did it go down when the president and, and you guys in the Department of Defense decide, you know, we want these additional 10,000 troops. And what does it look like when you present it to Pelosi and it gets denied? Yeah, no, this is a this is the crux of the matter for the Department of Defense. People have to remember January 6th was a law enforcement matter, right? Protecting the Capitol. Mm -hmm. It's illegal for the United States military to descend upon the Capitol. Most people forget that. But what we can do is provide National Guard support. But in order to do that, the law requires two things to happen. One, the president of the United States must grant you permission to use the National Guard anywhere in the United States. It has to happen. Two, 
equally as important under the law. There has to be a request from the mayor or a supporting federal agency for the National Guard. In this instance, it would be Mayor Bowser or the United States Capitol Police who report to Nancy Pelosi. On January 5th, um, basically, we were in the Oval Office discussing some national security matters, and President Trump preemptively said, look, um, to us over at DOD, if you guys need 10 to 20 National Guards, men and women, for anywhere in America, uh, you are authorized. You don't need to come back. You're good to go. So we had step one covered. We then went to Mayor Bowser and the Capitol Police because we couldn't employ and deploy the National Guard without their request, and both of them said no, flat out in writing said no. And all of this, more importantly, is outlined in a Department of Defense outline that is now public. It's unclassified, it's public, it was created by the Secretary of Defense, the Chairman, and the Secretary of the Army, and the Deputy Secretary of Defense, along with a lot of other people, to show the movements of the Department of Defense in about January 6th. And if that wasn't enough, the Biden Inspector General last month for the Department of Defense released a report on our conduct during January 6th. And he said, I quote, the Department of Defense acted without delay, reasonably, and without politicization of the national security apparatus. And so that speaks for volumes more than any other um, testimony that I could give when the Biden Inspector General said we acted appropriately on January 6th as the Department of Defense goes. So let's take that step by step, because you you said a lot. And in my opinion, this is what I understand to be the case. But first of all, you said it's illegal for troops to descend on the Capitol. And I think a lot of people may not be familiar with Posse Comitatus and why you're you're not allowed. Why is it that the president can't just say, no, I'm the commander in chief and I'm sending 10,000 troops to the Capitol, whether they like it or not? Because, as you said, Posse Comitatus, the Supreme Court said, and I think rightly so, the United States military is not to conduct a domestic law enforcement operation. They can, in certain situations, augment and assist law enforcement, as we see lots of times at large-scale events or parades and whatnot where you see uniformed military officers invest, assisting traffic and things like that, but not carrying guns and conducting law enforcement activities. That's just the law. And I think if you ask anyone before January 6th, they would agree with you. Mm-hmm. Now, Democrats since January 6th have abruptly taken a different position. I mean, just outline their hypocrisy for a minute. Remember when uh, President Trump walked across uh, Lafayette Square Park uh, with the chairman when the church was burning and he had a sidearm on, he being the chairman. Mm-hmm. The Democrats went nuts because a uniformed officer was next to the president. That was one person. But now, fast forward to January 6th, and when we offered the troops and they said no, their cover-up afterwards is to say, you guys delayed. We wanted the entire militia descending on the Capitol to protect us, which would have been illegal anyway. But um, that just highlights their hypocrisy. Right. So that's the first part. Now, the second part is there was already uh, an OIG investigation into this that said everybody was legit. Everything was copacetic. Everything was above board. True or false? Yeah, true. Uh, And that was Biden's inspector general that issued that report. We requested it knowing that we wouldn't be able to have it completed. So we requested the incoming administration to check our conduct. If you thought you, the incoming administration, thought we did anything wrong, then let us know. The American public has a right to know. And oh, by the way, there's a timeline that I highlighted earlier that I hope you get out to the public, which speaks step by step from January uh, or December 31st through January 7th, what the Department of Defense did. And we took every step required under the law. And oh, by the way, once we got the authorization, Once we got the request, which came in late in the day on January 6th from Mayor Bowser and the Capitol Police, we initiated the fastest cold start of the National Guard since World War II. 
and it was the largest occupation of the National Guard in Washington, D.C. since the Civil War. Now, when President Trump launches this largest uh, occupation of the National Guard since the Civil War inside of the United States in D.C., are you facing opposition from anybody on the Hill, anybody in the Beltway? You mean uh, uh, before January 6th? I'm sorry, no, that or? day when you start cranking them out, saying, all right, oh, these people finally woke up. Now, you know, the building's on fire and they're like, call the fire department, send in the troops. W- was anybody mm-hmm. um, being reticent at that time? Not in the administration. We already had what we needed from the president one or two days before. So there was nothing um, logistically or legally we needed from them. What the media and, um, you know, the uh, Democrats of the world want to say is, you know, why didn't 10,000 troops show up instantaneously? Well, the National Guard, as you know, Rich, are men and women who work for a living outside of the military. They're doctors, they're teachers, they're farmers, they're educators. We have to go with called employing deployment. We have to go get them out of their daily lives, put them in uniform, train them, and then deploy them into D.C. That doesn't happen instantaneously. So they're like, now what they're saying is, oh, there was a delay of a couple of hours. Well, they can't just show up out of thin air, which is why we asked two days before if they needed them, and they said no. So now they're backpedaling and trying to cover their tracks because we did the right thing, and they refused. And the biggest failure of January 6th, or not the biggest, one of the biggest, is what the heck was the FBI doing and Chris Ray? Where was the law enforcement officers surrounding the Capitol based on the local law enforcement that, intelligence that they had? They were nowhere to be found, and they could have had a 1,000 uniformed agents around the Capitol. They chose not to. Yeah, and, and we'll get to that because I think there was a big presence from the FBI there, just not the way we might think. But General Milley, yeah. General Milley um, he's on the record saying that he was reticent about this, and I don't know if it came across in, in you know the bureaucratic machinations of you guys actually deploying the troops, but— uh, there's a quote here that, according to various reports, and I'm reading it from JustSecurity.org, says that Milley said, according, uh, uh, excuse me, he, that he feared, quote, that it was Trump's Reichstag moment in which, like Adolf Hitler, uh, Hitler in 1933, he would manufacture a crisis in order to swoop in and rescue the nation from it. So it seems to me they were trying to create a narrative so that as you were doing this, which they kind of set you up on when you said, hey, you need this? No, we don't need it. Okay, okay, we need it. So that they could go ahead and set up this other narrative. Well, you know, as it comes to Chairman Milley, the guy has less credibility than Nancy Pelosi. He's the chairman (laughs) of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, which by law prohibits him from participating in any political activity whatsoever. We've now found out that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Milley, has been um, willing to give book interviews and talk about Reichstag moments. Instead of planning for the withdrawal of Afghanistan successfully, instead of ending the war on terror, instead of bringing home American hostages, instead of taking care of veterans, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff has become the most political officer in the United States of America. And that should shock America's conscience because that is not his role. He's not legally allowed to do it. But he goes ahead and gives book interviews and TV interviews. And and as long as he can keep his job, that was his own purpose when he was uh, serving as chairman under President Trump and calling Pelosi on the side without informing us of the conversations he had. And, oh, by the way, calling the Chinese and telling them (laughs) that we would not attack unless he called them and gave them a heads up. How can the United States chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff be permitted to continue in his role when that conduct has been proven and when his political actions have been proven? And he's, he's allowed to do so because the Democrats are in charge. With generals like that, who needs enemies? Yeah. Exactly. Especially China. Exactly. Now, so looking at this now, now we move into the the area of, uh, you know, they can claim it's an insurrection, 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 while many, I think, uh, 
critics of the left, critics of the Democrat uh, Party, we say, no, the real insurrection is you guys. The real insurrection is uh, from James Comey on, right? This whole Russiagate fiasco and forward into the way you're trying to do this setup on January 6th. And in my reading, and again, as uh, you know, I'm not an attorney in real life. Occasionally I play one on the radio. But in my reading of the Insurrection Act, you know, it seemed like it was something that could be used, but it also seemed like something like with anything that's political in life, there were so many political ramifications and potential repercussions that it would be very volatile to to use. And Millie talks about how he was he was fearful that Trump was setting this up. Even um, uh, Secretary Miller uh, alluded to, he made a comment, not that it was his comment. He was, you know, quoting someone else's comment that there was this fear that, you know, Trump would use the Insurrection Act to stay in office. And there were indeed many uh, supporters of the president's that were saying that not necessarily the president or his team. Now, with with all that being said, did you get any sense of that being on the ground as much as you're allowed to talk about? Was was this part of the conversation? We're going to, you know, lock this mother down so we can keep Trump in office? Zero, none whatsoever. And I was, you know, fortunate to be one of the president's closest advisors and, and hold some of the most senior posts in his, in his government. So absolutely not. The, the, the people that are saying that then and now are people that are looking to politicize the national security apparatus of the United States. I was the guy that was running counterterrorism when standing next to the president when we killed Baghdadi. I was there running counterterrorism when he knocked out Soleimani. I was there running counterterrorism when he brought home American hostages. And I was there when we successfully started to withdraw out of Afghanistan. This president put the national security of America first and always first. He did not politicize it. And so these guys like Millie, when they come out and say, oh, we fear an insurrection. The Insurrection Act is something that is punishable by death. I don't think people realize that. As a former federal prosecutor, you know, I apply law to the facts. Politicians don't, but I at least do, and I know you do. And to, and by the way, the Department of Justice under Joe Biden has charged no one with insurrection because it was not an insurrection under the law. And people just gloss over that and they just use the term insurrection as if it was somehow some colloquial term, but it's tantamount to treason. So the fact that people are allowing this matter to be politicized and glossing over the facts just shows you how far media has come here um, on January 6th. And I'm glad we're able to correct the record, at least in some parts. Absolutely. Well said. Uh, we're on with Cash Patel and you can catch Cash Patel at fightwithcash.com. Go it's ahead. our offensive legal trust where we're raising money to uh, sue people who sue on behalf of people who've been defamed by the, by the, by the media. Right, if you could, do you have a couple of minutes you could spare to talk about that and to talk about the uh, Clinton-Danchenko connection? Yeah, I'd love to do both. All right, more to come on Hillary Clinton, Danchenko, the connection between the two, plus the backstory on fightwithcash.com. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. 
Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. This is America. All right, America, welcome back. We're on with Cash Patel. Cash Patel is a former federal prosecutor. You know him as the lead investigator on the Russiagate investigation, as well as uh, acting chief of staff to the acting secretary of defense at the Department of Defense during the January 6th riots. Cash Patel, welcome back. Now, let's jump right back into this Hillary Clinton stuff. And of course, your story on how you started fightwithcash.com. So I'll give you a quick uh, 30 second on fight with cash. So we have more time for the other thing. So look, I got smeared by the media. I got defamed when I was running Russiagate with Devin. We started to fight back to clear our names. We filed defamation lawsuits on suing Politico, CNN, and the New York Times. Other people have come up to me since I left government saying, we don't have the money, we don't have the funds, but we've been defamed by big media. We've been deplatformed by big tech. So I started fightwithcash.com with a K. We've been raising money for months. Now we're gonna continue to raise money. Check out the website. A lot of free content, lots of cool merchandise for sale. And basically, we're going to use those funds to start filing lawsuits on behalf of Americans who can't afford to do so, who've been defamed, so we can fire that silver bullet against the fake news media and correct it. Um, so that's that fightwithcash.com. Appreciate everybody's support. We need it. Now, you know, Cash, so often people come to me and they say, they email me, they call me, whatever it is, and they're like, Rich, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? That's the, the number one word. And the first thing I tell them is, you know, kind of what Levin taught me, which is, no, it's not what do we do. I'm already doing me. It's what you do. And, and on top mm-hmm. of that, I think it's, this is a great option for people. When they say, what am I going to do? You're going to fight with cash. Go to fightwithcash.com and help him fight this fight. He's chosen a life of being in the swamp and fighting the swamp things, the alligators. Why not support a guy that's already there? Because the biggest excuse I hear, and I, I do call them excuses, are people say, oh, but I've got kids. Oh, but I've got a career. What can I do? What can I do? That's how you can help. Go to fightwithcash.com. Yeah, we've got great merchandise. Check out our latest arrival of jackets and tees, all American designs. You'll love them. All right. Now, quickly, let's go to... Um, these new developments with Hillary Clinton, there's all these rumors that she's going to run for president again. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I read this tweet that I thought was really funny. It was from Dinesh D'Souza, and he said, if um, Hillary Clinton is talking, she's probably gearing up for another uh, run at the White House. <laughs> and I thought, man, that's funny. So what, what do you think about that? I think it's laughable. I mean, she, she's been destroyed politically. She got beat by Donald Trump, who thought, nobody thought he could win, and he wiped the floor with her. Look. So what do you think? Hillary Clinton, someone... She's, her ego will not let her stay out of the limelight. That's what I think. She's out there trying to sell her new fiction book, and she's out there talking about how Donald Trump stole the election from her and how she should have been president and none of this would have ever happened. What people forget or refuse to acknowledge, not you, is that she instigated the biggest political criminal enterprise against a, a presidential candidate in U.S. history that thankfully John Durham's unraveling after we, Devin and I, um, ran the Russiagate investigation. So. I don't take stock in anything Hillary Clinton says. I said earlier that uh, the most political figure on planet Earth is is General Milley. I'll, I'll correct myself and say it's Hillary Clinton. <laughs> All right. So now tell us about this uh, this latest um, connection, right? You've got uh, Danchenko. You've got a couple of lawyers that are in uh, Durham's crosshairs. Uh, help put a little bit of shape to this. We know the Kevin Kleinsmith got in trouble for doctoring evidence. We know uh, the latest guy, I'm forgetting his name, who was also indicted, 
Um, help us put these pieces together for people who haven't been up to speed on it. Yeah, let me give you the outline of a former federal prosecutor who's brought some of these types of cases and who, who ran and the guy who ran Russiagate. Um, so you have three indictments from Mike, uh, from John Durham. One, the indictment of the FBI, who we know intentionally doctored evidence and supplied it to the federal court for illegally obtaining a search warrant against then candidate Trump. So the FBI has been indicted. Two, you have the Hillary Clinton campaign, who was indicted through the indictment of Sussman, the lawyer for the DNC and the Hillary Clinton campaign, who paid Steele for this bogus dossier nonsense, and then took that information on behalf of the Hillary Clinton campaign and went to the FBI to get that false information funneled into that same federal court for FISA. So you've got the FBI indicted, you've got the Hillary Clinton campaign indicted. Lastly, you have uh, Danchenko. Who's Danchenko? Why does it matter? He was the major source for Christopher Steele's bogus um, uh, Steele dossier. He's now been indicted by John Durham for lying five times over to the FBI and what we find out is that the information that this guy Danchenko provided to Steele from his own admission was bogus and false and hyperbole, which means it should never have been given to the FISA court in the first place uh, for a federal warrant. So now we have the source indicted, Steele indicted by, by extension, FBI and the Hillary Clinton campaign. And I encourage your audience to go review these indictments. They're public. They're 40, 50, 60 pages long. Usually these indictments are like three to five pages. And the reason why it's so critical that John Durham has issued these lengthy indictments is because it's his only way to speak to the public on the matter. And he's outlining figures like Jake Sullivan, the current national security advisor to President Biden. He's outlining figures like Fusion GPS and Glenn Simpson and Mark Elias and so many other people in Clinton's orbit um, that he's closing the wagons on. And so I think it's critical that people take uh, time to read this. But also people are like, why isn't he going faster? Because this takes time. It's the largest criminal enterprise in the history of the United States presidential election cycle. And so it's just going to take time to sort through. But I'm glad we're talking about it um, today. And uh, I hope we keep talking about it. Definitely. Well, we're on with Cash Patel. He worked for President Trump. Then he ran the DOD in the final days of the administration. He led the Russiagate investigation. And he's just a wealth of information. Final question to you. And it's really just about, uh, I guess, a practical matter. You, you talked about how phony information was submitted to get a FISA warrant to spy on Trump world. And recently, in an unrelated matter, but in the same vein, there was a magistrate judge that signed uh, an order in the Southern District to to go break into O'Keefe's apartment to get some stuff. I used to yeah. work with O'Keefe. And, you know, so I take this stuff personally because I think, man, this could be me or any one of us that did this type of work. And what needs to be done to create reform at that level of judges signing warrants that are bogus? And is it reform? Is it just a lack of virtue? What do you think? One, we need to amend the midterms and legislate appropriately to enact the reform that works because this Congress isn't doing anything that's led by the Democrats to reform on behalf of the American people. They're just out for um, political witch hunts uh, to execute anyone who might have worked for President Trump. And two, I think the uh, what's equally as important is that we highlight, like you did, these matters and then allow attorneys like Harmie Dillon, who's a excellent lawyer representing uh, James O'Keefe, who I know, to go in and fight, just like we're doing a fight with Cash, but to go in and kick butt for civil rights for Republicans and, me and the media. The whole media should be outraged that the FBI kicked this guy's door down when he was in his boxes and threw him up against a wall based on probably what's become a, another fraudulent warrant. And if you're following this case, you saw a federal judge ordered the FBI and the Department of Justice to turn back over some of the things that were seized. Yes. That's an indication to me that he thinks he, the federal judge, thinks 
um, some laws were violating the FBI overreach. So I think it's a matter that we need to stay tuned for, but I'm glad uh, you're highlighting it. Yeah, excellent. Everybody, that's Cash Patel, fightwithcash.com. Go there, give him a few bucks, help him out with this mission. As you can see, he knows what he's talking about, he knows what he's doing, and he's doing it. Cash Patel, thanks for joining us today, bro. Thank you, Rich. Have a great day and happy new year, Rich. You too. Likewise, we'll have you on again real soon. Straight ahead, more to come. We're going to talk about what's going on and the latest with January 6th. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. This is America. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Now, I want to make sure that you guys are following us with the podcast, that you're subscribed to the podcast. That's critical, that you share it with your friends. But, of course, get us on social media, at Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez with an S on all of the social media as well. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing. And, of course, thank you for dropping those great reviews. Uh, We have uh, over 400 reviews on Apple Podcast and the other podcast providers. And it's amazing. It's amazing to see the feedback. I think the overwhelming majority of them are five stars. And I thank you. And I, I put this on uh, Instagram the other day. And if you're not on Instagram or if you are, give me a follow. I, I'd love to interact with you. But I shared that we were in the top 200 of the news commentary chart on Apple Podcasts for most of 2021 and ended the year very solid in the top 100, around number 60-something. So uh, it's a blessing to be able to reach that many people and for that many people to subscribe to the podcast. So thank you to each and every one of you because without you, we don't have a show. So thank you and thank you again. I can't thank you enough. But I want to uh, wrap up this topic of January 6th because as President Trump has now canceled his January 6th press conference, but I think he should have done it. He should have stuck to his guns on this one because you know why? They're going to go to town with this, right? You're going to see all of the coverage on January 6th committee, on January 6th insurrection, on January 6th this and on January 6th that, and they're going to do it all day long, and they're going to try and turn it into 9-11, and it definitely wasn't. I don't know how many of you are listening are in the New York area like I am. I was in New York City uh, on September 10th, and I was in New York City on September 12th. And I happened to stay home on the 11th. Thank God. It was a premonition that I got. When I do my September 11th episode every year, I tell you the same story. I give you the play-by-play. But I can tell you, this was no September 11th in no way, shape, or form. And we've got to push back when the media comes with the lies. We've got to come back with the truth. And we've got to put the truth out there because we have to stand for something. Because if we stand for nothing, we'll fall for anything. And, of course, that's Hamilton. But my favorite quote from Sir Edmund Burke, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So don't do nothing. Do something. Hit them with the truth. Hit them with the real. Hit them with something. Hit them with whatever you got. But just make sure you're taking action to defend the republic, to advance this wonderful nation into the next generation so that future generations can enjoy it just like we did. Until the next time, America. Hasta la próxima. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America.